Hey, what's up, Bridge students? It is so good to see you here tonight. Uh, we just want to welcome our Columbia campus and everybody that will be listening online. It is so good to have you here. Hey, and if you don't know who I am, my name is Chris. I'm one of the student ministry residents here at the Bridge. And, you know, if you've never heard me preach before, uh, I'm what they call a holler back kind of preacher. So when you hear something that you agree with, feel free to say, amen, that's good. I need that. She needs that. He needs that. Whatever it is, let's just have a good time and let's encounter Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I get the privilege and the honor of jumping in on this series that we're doing called Awakening as we go through the life of Paul. And uh, I'm excited to jump right into it. So if you have your Bible, uh, we're actually going to start in the book of James. I want to read you something in James. James chapter one. Hopefully to start this new year off, you are reading the Bible more. That's always a good New Year's resolution. Um, I'm telling you now, if you do not have a Bible, you need to get your hands on one. This is not just a history book. This is not a book of random theological thoughts. We actually believe that God spoke to you. This is a giant love letter from, Gen from Genesis to Revelation. This thing matters. Even the maps will change your life. Hello. But the book of James, as you read the Bible, you have to read it around the text. Find out who wrote it and why. The author of this book was James. Not the disciple James, not LeBron James. It was the brother of Jesus, James. Like anybody in here, anybody have a sibling in here? Anybody have a sibling? Have you ever heard of sibling rivalry? Yeah, I, there was probably none of that with James and Jesus. I often think about how annoying would it be to be the brother of Jesus? Like that'd be so annoying. I don't know why. I just picture it in my head like this. I picture him coming home one day and mom saying like, hey, how was your day? And James responds, a good mom, you know, got an A on that test. Hey, Jesus, how was your day? Good mom, healed everyone in school. Like poor James, like it wasn't fair. So, but James, he wrote this book for people that were going through it. I mean, back then they were going through some serious stuff. They were being chased. They were being murdered. At this time in history, Christians were being thrown in the lion's den. They were being burnt alive, just horrible stuff. So James wrote them in the middle of trials, tests, and temptations. And he splits them up into those three things. And Christians often forget that those three things are not the same. People think that you need the same thing to get through a, through a trial that you do a temptation. You do not. You need endurance to get through a trial. You need resistance to get through a temptation. So James, he, he splits these things up. And he, he shows us um, how we should handle these situations. Let's jump into it. In, in verse 2, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to those without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers with the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I love this verse. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I love another translation says this in verse 12. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. See, there has to come a day where we stop going through trials and tests and problems, where we stop going through those situations and, so, and we say, God, I just need you to get me out of this. God, help me deal with this. And we start looking at those same tests and those same trials and we start saying, you know what? I was born for this. See, growing up, my dad taught me that the definition of prosperity is just knowing Jesus. That God doesn't owe you another thing. He will bless your life. He will be awesome. But if Jesus never gave you another thing in him, you already have more than you can ever deserve. But we have to be careful because we have generations now that are coming to Jesus for what we can get. Coming to God, hoping things change like it's conditional. And then the moment we come to God and nothing changes, we freak out like there, there is no God. He's not doing anything. He's not changing that situation rather than looking at that situation and saying, you know what? God is with me. I was born for this. Listen, I don't ever want you to ask God to deliver you from your own prayer request. We see it happen all the time where people come into church. They say, you know what? I just want to serve. I just want to help. God, use me. Then a few weeks later, oh, I'm leaving the church because I feel used. Like, what are we saying? See, you don't need to know exactly what it is that you're called to do tonight, but you do need to know that you're called. You don't need to know exactly how you're going to spend the rest of your life, but you do need to know that God created you for a purpose. I don't care if you're the only Christian in your school or in your family. Understand that God created you just for that situation. You were born for it. I mean, you might come out of a legacy filled with divorce and abuse. And you might be thinking, man, is, am I even called to have a healthy relationship someday? Am I called to serve God? Yes, you are. This is why he made you. This is why he made you. See, there's some of you in here today, going into this new year, you have to leave this place and start talking yourself into doing things that you normally wouldn't do in the positive sense. Hear me out. I'm not saying you need to leave this place and go do something crazy just to say you did it. But you ought to start talking yourself into doing things that you normally wouldn't do. Like, have you ever looked at something and said, ah, I don't think I could do that. Like, I don't think I'm capable of that. But the great, the cool thing is you have enough friends around you that are pumping you up. You ever been there before? It's called the pump factor. That's why the friends in your life are so important. They're so important because they're either going to talk you into doing the right things or they're going to talk you into doing the wrong things. But it's called the pump factor. Where your friends pump you up and you end up doing things that you never thought you'd ever be able to do. You know, I remember this one time, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I didn't grow up around here. Uh, I'm not from the South at all. My first week here, um, somebody came up to me. They said, hey, do you want to go mudding? And I looked at him with this puzzled face. Mudding? What is that? That sounds like some kind of chocolate dessert. Like, what is mudding? Like, I'm telling you, I did not grow up. Around here, where I grew up, there's a lot of mountains, a lot of snow. It's beautiful. So I grew up snowmobiling and snowboarding, uh, doing those kinds of things. And I remember this one time. This one time I went snowboarding with some friends, and we were on the top of this mountain. And we were looking 
at the back side of the mountain and it was the super steep side of the mountain. Nobody was going down that way. There was trees everywhere. I mean, it was snowing so bad you can barely see, you know, 10, 15 yards in front of you. It just, it looks dangerous. There's caution signs everywhere. And, you know, we're standing at the top of that mountain. And sure enough, my friend said that famous line. I'm sure you've heard it. He looked at me. He said, I bet you won't. I bet you won't do it. I bet you won't go down that side of the mountain. So, I mean, I stood there like, I I bet I will. Let's go. So I, I strapped up my snowboard and there I go. I kid you not, within five minutes, I, I was going way too fast. I ended up flying over this little hill, landed straight on my shoulder. I heard a big pop, a big pop, and I just screamed. There was nobody around. Nobody could hear me. I knew something is wrong. I, I broke something. So, I mean, I, I, I'm a guy, so I did what I, I should have called the medic. I should have had them come get me and I should have went straight to the hospital. But I mean, I just I, I literally I picked up my arm and I kept going. I fell a few more times, picked up my arm. I kept going. I got all the way to the bottom. I went into the medic's office and they're like, yeah, something's wrong. You might have broken your collarbone. Uh, we need to get you some x-rays right away, right away. And uh, so they get me in there and my friends, they come down and, and they, they, they go into the office where I'm at and they're saying, what are you thinking? Like, why did you do that? You're so stupid. Why did you listen to us? You should have never went down that mountain. And they went on and on saying, you should have never did that. So I looked back at them and I said, yeah, but I did it though. I did it. I made it to the bottom. See, I believe that this is going to be the year. It has to be the year where you start looking at mountains that other people do not want any part of, where people are avoiding, where there are no Christians. You have to start looking at those things and say, it looks impossible, but God is with me. Let's go. Where you start looking at pockets of society where there are no Christians, there are no followers of Jesus. And you say, hey, it looks impossible, but you know what? I'm going to do it. Let's go together. This has to be the year. No matter what trial, no matter what thing you face, you have to understand that you were born for it. You were born to keep his kingdom coming on this earth. My prayer is that when you leave here, you can constantly say, I was born to to serve God. I was born to keep his kingdom coming on this earth. I don't care what somebody might have said about you. Somebody might have told you that you're worth nothing. And that you shouldn't be here. Hey, none of us should be here, but it's because of God's grace that we get to stand here together. I want to give you three quick things, three things to take with you as you leave, because I want to I want to talk to you about how to handle the heat. We're going to read this story with Paul in just a moment. But I want to teach you how to handle the heat because there should you should have some heat in your life. There should be some things that you do not understand. I mean, I hear people all the time, um, some of you tell me, you know what, Chris, I'm serving God and everything is going wrong in my life. It probably means you're doing something right. But if you're a Christian and there's no fires in your life, you might want to check the pulse of your faith. Because Jesus said, take heart, because in this life you will face trials, you will face tragedy, you will have all this stuff go down, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So the idea is for you to handle the heat better this year than you ever have before. So go with me to Acts. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Acts 27. We're going to start in verse 21. 
We're going to jump in on this story with Paul. You know, Jalen came up here two weeks ago, talked about Paul's conversion. How before he encountered Jesus and got saved, he was literally killing Christians. Killing Christians. And then last week, um, Cheyenne came up here and she talked about Paul's waiting season. After he got saved and he had this encounter, he didn't walk right into his purpose. He walked into a process. And Cheyenne taught us that a waiting season is not a wasted season. That God wants to take time to develop you for what he has for you. And tonight we find Paul finally on mission. Not only is he on mission, but here he's in deep trouble. We find him in prison on a boat. Like he's in prison on a boat. Nowadays, uh, people make money off this and they call him cruises. But Paul, he, he's in prison on a boat. Like you talk about heat. We, we've never seen heat like this before. Heat for some of y'all is like, oh, I don't have enough money for like eight pairs of jeans. I don't have enough money for that new bridge swag. Like, yeah, we call those first world problems. We don't know heat like they did back in the day, but I'm going to show you what Paul did in the middle of this season. And I'm going to show you what happens when a Christian stands up. Go with me to Acts 20, 27, verse 21. It says this. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete. Don't you just love somebody that's always telling you what to do? Like, hey, you should have listened to me. That's Paul right now. And he incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For every night there stood before me an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. Some translations say, don't give up, Paul. Man, somebody needs to hear it. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Listen, I don't care how bad your week was. It cannot negate how good our God is. Do not stop. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we, we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come and they were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, at about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. And so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on and they took a sounding again and found 15. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, so they let down four anchor, anchors and a stern and prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, it started to get crazy and all these people on the boat started to panic and so they wanted to jump ship. Listen, some of y'all need to take inventory of your friends. If you only have people around you when you're doing good, they're probably bad. You need friends when things are going crazy. You don't need them to jump ship and get out of there. And they had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, they, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the, ship, of the ship's boat and let it go. As the day was about dawn, Paul urged them to take some food. Listen, if you're having a bad day, a bad month, a bad time, go get some food. It's biblical. Come on. He said, let's get some food. Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense without food and have taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you, take some food, for it will be given you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. 
And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence and he broke it all and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were all, we were in all 276 persons on the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing all the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach, which they planned, if possible, to run a ship on the shore. So they cast it off the anchors, left them in the sea, and at the same time, they loosened all the ropes that tied to the rudders, then hoisting the, the sails up to the wind, they made for the beach. But then they, they struck a reef. I'm telling you, worst trip ever. They ran the vessel aground, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to, check this out, the soldier's plan was to kill all the prisoners, lest any of them could swim away and escape. But, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan, and he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So you have a guy in Paul who should be upset. I mean, he's in prison on a boat. It doesn't get much worse than that. You have a guy in Paul who should be depressed in the first place, but he starts preaching. He starts casting vision. He starts serving people when everybody on that ship should have gone down. But because there was one Christian, everybody got saved. Come on, that is you at your school. That is you and your family. That is you around all your friends because you were born to bring change. You were born to bring change. I want to give you three ways to handle the heat so you can truly live your best life. The first one is this. See it coming. See it coming. See, people are always... Um, upset and, and lost and confused when crazy things happen. People are always surprised when crazy stuff happens. Like, we are not known for having poise under pressure. That's why when, like, a natural disaster happens or something like that, you're always going to find that weird Christian that's always doing something crazy. You know what I'm talking about. You probably know them. They're probably in your family. You know, like, a stop sign will fall. You're going to find that Christian that's like, oh my, it's the rapture. Jesus is coming back. The clouds are parting. The white horse. We need to get our generators. We need to get to the rapture bus stop. We need to pray right now. Like, but, but it's just a stop sign. No, it's Jesus. Like, what are we talking about? We are not known for our poise under pressure. But here we have Paul who is so connected to heaven that when this earth got shaky, he did not. He was so connected to heaven. Like, what if we saw it coming today? And I'm not saying have this weird doomsday thing like, oh, everything bad's going to happen to me. But you do need to understand there's going to be moments where you're going to need to run towards what everyone else is running from and understand that your life is not always going to be perfect. It's amazing, especially in this in the student world. People get saved and they think it's like this magic Disney wand that gets waved in front of them and it's this magic pixie dust when people get saved and everything in your life is going to become this fairy tale and perfect wrong. Often it's the opposite because now that you know Jesus, you become a problem to hell. You become a problem to hell. 
But when you understand that God is with you, it doesn't matter what's coming your way. We don't know what the future holds. We just know who holds it. So Jesus says, take heart, stay diligent, stay full of faith. You don't need to just put it on a podcast or your pastor to, to stir up your faith. You understand that it's my responsibility to get to know Jesus. It's my responsibility to explore my faith. And even if things are going good for you right now, that doesn't mean it's time to get comfortable. It means it's time to build even more. So when that day comes, you're not going to be freaking out and panicking. You'll be ready. You'll be ready. See it coming. You know, I'm challenging a few of you to meet with God, to meet, meet with God before you meet with this world. Every day. I don't know. It's hard. I've talked to a few of you where it's like, I just don't have time in the morning, Chris, to spend time with God. I mean, whatever it is, you can, as you get ready, put on some worship music. Just, just hang out with God before you, you start this day. Put on some worship music, preferably. Bridge worship. Hello, somebody. Whatever it is, just put on some worship music. Read for five minutes. Pray for five minutes. What does this do for you? Now, when you find yourself in a crazy situation in the middle of that day, you're not going to be one of those Christians who is panicking and, and freaking out like, oh God, I need a word right now. I need your help, God. I need a word. And you're not going to go to the Bible and do that Bible flick and pick like, all right, Lord, I need something. Leviticus, like this doesn't help. You don't want to be searching for something in the fire. You want to be pulling something out that you already had ready. You spent your time with Jesus this morning. You're not worried. You spent your time with God. You saw it coming. You, you don't want to fall victim to what my friends call the panic prayer. Y'all know what the panic prayer is. It's where you just got in trouble. And so you pray every Christian thing you know to get out of it. You know, like Jesus, help me. Jesus, uh, Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd, uh, born in a manger, Holy Spirit, kingdom now, Jesus, help me. Like whatever it is, you don't want to do the panic prayer. If that's all you know, we love you. God bless you. But there is so much more to walking with Jesus where heaven can speak to you. See it coming. See it coming so you never end up running. Spend your time with Jesus. Second one is this, see it through. See it through. I think there's going to be moments this year this month where you're going to want to quit. I mean, let's be real. There's going to be moments, maybe you're already facing that, where you're not going to want to come to Bridge Students anymore. Well, you're kind of done with it. Maybe you're in here, all my leaders in here. Maybe you're going to get to a point where you don't want to lead a small group anymore. You're going to want to quit. There's going to be moments, maybe there's some of you that you made a New Year's resolution and you want to throw that thing in the trash already. I'm telling you, see it through because you have no idea what God is going to do. You have no idea. Could you imagine if Paul would have did like a, been like a modern day Christian? Like we quit pretty early in the game. But Paul, he saw it all the way through because he heard a voice from heaven that says, do not quit, Paul. Don't be afraid, Paul. See it through. You have no idea what I'm about to do. Can you imagine if he would have quit in that waiting season? Could you imagine if he would have quit in prison then he would have never heard God's call on the boat. I'm telling you, God is doing something in the situation that you're in that you can't stand right now, but you just need to change the way you look at it. Maybe you're struggling with some lifestyle things. I'm telling you, see it through. You have no idea what God is going to do. Maybe you've been abused and you feel like giving up on life and on people. I'm telling you, see it through. You have no idea what God is going to do through your situation. You have no idea what God is going to do. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're having a bad, a bad year already because your parents are facing a divorce. I'm telling you, see it through. 
Keep showing up. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. Keep stirring up your faith. God didn't necessarily cause it, but he will see you through it. He will see you through it. I don't know exactly what it is that you're going through, but I do know the enemy is going to try to trick you into quitting early. Hear me. The trial that you're in, the situation that you're in, isn't even about you. It's about the people that you're called to reach that are watching you go through it. And if you stop, they may never get to start. See it through. You have no idea what God is going to do. And the last one is this. All my Taylor Swift fans, you're going to love this. The first one, see it coming, see it through. And the third one is shake it off. Shake it off. What do I mean by that? The story ends even better. You're going to love this. Go with me to Acts 28. It says this. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us an unusual kindness for they kindled the fire and welcomed all of us. Because it had begun to rain and it was cold, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put, of course he went and got fire. I mean, Paul is like a super Christian at this point. Like he's still a prisoner and he goes and gets firewood, of course. But he went and got the fire and a viper, a snake came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, I love this, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Basically saying, hey, this man is getting what he deserves. He's a murderer. He, Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire, suffering no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But when they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. What is wrong with these people? I mean, a a few minutes ago, he was a murderer. Now he's a God. This is why you cannot live for the praises of people because you will die from their criticism as well. Don't believe the hype, good or bad about you. Believe what Jesus said about you. And I'm going to sum up the last two verses for the sake of time. Paul, they end up on this island. There's a bunch of sick people on this island and they come to Paul. Paul prays for them. This whole island ends up getting healed. And I read this story and I say, how did Paul do all of this? I mean, let's just be real. He just shook it off and kept saying, bring it on. Let's go. I mean, we don't need another Christian generation that's just going to be quiet and scared. Like, oh, I don't want people to dislike me. I don't want people to to know that I'm crazy or something like that. So I'm just going to I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to hide. No, we're called to build a fire with our life that shines a light on this gospel. The more snakes that fly out at you, the better the call. We just have to do what Paul did. What did he do? That snake bit him. He just shook it off. Not today. Shook it off and kept going. Middle of the storm on the ship, he just shook it off. He kept going, kept serving. You're going to need to, have to, you're going to, need to, to learn how to do this as a Christian. Because you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can control what clings to you. To shake it off. I mean, there's going to be moments where people think you're crazy walking around school, like, you know, shaking something off. Say, hey, sorry, I just had a moment where I was fighting my own sin. I'm trying to shake it off, getting rid of it. Sorry, I just had a moment where I heard some people talking bad about me. I'm just trying to shake it off and keep moving. Why? Because we are not called to stop when this world confronts us. We're called to keep moving. And you have every right to believe that God is going to stick with you the entire way. As I close, I want you to realize that 
There are probably some things that are clinging to you right now. Some things that you should have left in 2019. Some things that are preventing you maybe from walking into your God-given purpose. They're clinging to you. I want you to know that you can shake it off and God can make you new again. This can be your moment where you're no longer that thing that took from you anymore. And believe that God can make you new again. You can get another shot. You know, every time I face struggle or maybe deal with my doubt or my insecurities or feel like I can't do this or I can't do that, I have to remind myself of these things. I have to remind myself that Jesus died on that cross for me. So I have every right to believe that he can make me do again, that his grace covers me. So I can say, you know what, devil, I was born for this. I was born for this. There's so much more that God wants to do in your life. And there's so much more to come for you in your life. God wants to do some amazing things, especially here in Bridge Students, Spring Hill, Columbia, wherever you're at, where you're listening. God wants to use you. But when that trial comes, when that test comes, what are you going to do? Are you going to respond the way Paul did? Can't do anything about what life throws at you, but you can always do something about how you respond to what life throws at you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you've been doing in this place, God, through worship and through the word. We thank you that you're stirring up Something special in the hearts of so many students in this place, God, throughout this series of Paul. As we're able to dive in and study a character, God, that was so faithful and so loyal to you. I pray that week in and week out we learn on how we should live, God. I pray that Paul's life points us to, to live truly like Jesus, for Jesus is the true and, and better Paul. And God, I pray right now that you give us the strength the endurance, the resistance, God, for when trials and tests and temptations come our way, God, that we won't look to our surrounding, but God, we'll look to the heavens. We'll lift our heads to you, God, and know that you're with us, that you're going to see us through. Every situation, every storm, everything that we go through, God, we can put our trust, our faith, our hope, all in you. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.